Navigating Business Podcast, where we dive into the lives and stories of small business owners from around the country to learn what's worked, what hasn't, and everything else in between. Our goal here is to share as much high-quality business information as possible. And the best part is, it's all by business owners for business owners. Everything here is all about small business. We're here today with Harry Shaw, the founder and CEO of OutCreate. OutCreate helps leaders at Fortune 1000 companies with impactful presentation design. Harry has also worked for the Hershey Company in the past, helping them with their corporate and retail strategy. And he's also worked for the Bridgestone Corporation. So some pretty cool previous employers there. Harry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you on and learn about all the great insights that you have, I'm sure, for us today. So tell us a little bit about OutCreate and what you guys do. Sure. So we are, OutCreate is a creative design agency, and we specialize in the presentation design space. Primarily, we work with large enterprises, as you mentioned, Fortune 1000 companies. Some of our clients include companies like Mondelez, Ferrara, those are based in Chicago, where you're based out of Nestle. We've done some work recently with Gilead and Google as well. We primarily help senior leaders, executives at these companies with presentation design. Yeah, that's really cool. So you specialize kind of in the food and beverage side of things, at least partially. Is that true? Yeah, my background happens to be the CPG industry. I used to work at the Hershey Company. And so I learned a lot about the CPG space and made some good connections in the industry as well. So yeah, we do have a lot of clients who are from the CPG space, but we are open to working with other verticals as well. Everybody has a need for presentation strategy, presentation design, and we are happy to help others as well. Definitely. Yeah, and I think it's such a really cool and interesting niche that you guys do is specifically the presentation design. Can you tell us a little bit about the value that a well-designed and well-thought-out and creative presentation can bring? Yeah. Presentation to me is the way you articulate your ideas, right? You and I are having a conversation. We are going to share some ideas over a podcast. A presentation in most business settings is more of a formal way to communicate your idea, your recommendation, your strategy, whatever it is. So many of our clients, right? Uh, I mentioned some CPG companies. Their clients are companies like Walmart, like Target, like Amazon, right? So they're often selling their products to their customers. So when we do a presentation, right? When we have a tight story, we have a strong design. And when the clients deliver those presentations well, to their customers, right? They're able to get their point across. They're able to sell more effectively. They're able to get buy-in more effectively. So yeah, the value add of a presentation is, you know, every time you present, you have an idea in mind, you have a point you want to make. And then when a presentation is well-designed, you're able to get that point across quickly, effectively, more smoothly. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure you and your team are a lot more efficient and effective at creating presentations than than most of us who are not necessarily as skilled in that area. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing with presentation design is like everybody thinks that they are great at presentation design. And I think, to be honest with you, if we had to do a presentation for you, right, you, you have the best knowledge of your business. So you have the best content in your head. So I think when it comes to content or subject matter expertise, the client or in this case, let's say you, you have the best knowledge of your business and you would do a good job with, you know, creating the story. We do come in the picture as outside eyes. So sometimes we step in and we are like, 
Nate, for you, bookkeeping 101 seems pretty basic, but other people may not understand, mm -hmm. you know? So right. those outside eyes come in, help with tightening the stories. And then certainly the design skill is very unique. It's not what most people have. Most of our clients we work with are business people. They're really solid, or should I say strong about their business, but they can be design savvy to the mm -hmm. extent needed to create a beautiful, visually impactful presentation. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I love what you said about a second set of eyes on it, because like you said, for me, bookkeeping makes sense. I know the terminology. And if I'm even trying to make it simple, I still might be too complicated, or too complex if I'm trying to present those ideas in a simple way. So I, I love that. That's a piece that I hadn't thought of that I think is really key for any industry. As far as you know, designing a presentation, I'd love for you to give us a couple tips, give us some insights into how to make the best presentation possible. Because I'm sure you know, a lot of our listeners have messed around, obviously, with PowerPoint and Google Slides and things like that. But that's really on a basic sense. So what kind of tips can you give us on how to create effective presentations and, and make those meaningful? Yeah, we can certainly talk about, you know, making presentations beautiful, but I don't want the audience to get confused with great presentations are well-designed presentations. That doesn't have to be the case, right? So for anybody listening or who wants to, you know, improve or elevate the quality of the presentations, right? Start with the end in mind. So you might be getting in front of a client and presenting about your company, somebody is pitching another product or solution to their potential clients. Before you start working on a presentation, right? Figure out what do you really want to accomplish, right? So start with the end in mind, that objective of the presentation. That's really, really important. The next thing is, you know, figuring out your audience, right? Are you presenting to senior leaders? Are you presenting to a large group of employees in a company? Are you presenting to small to medium-sized businesses? They all have different needs and knowing your audience is really important. The third piece I would say is the story or the content itself. Like I mentioned earlier, you are the subject matter expert, so you would know your content really well, but spend some time, even before you get on a computer, spend some time in thinking about your story, thinking about what pieces are important to your audience. So, and then you get into putting your slides together and getting to the design phase. So everything I talked about so far, which is knowing the end in mind, having a good idea about your audience, doing some good work on your subject matter. That I would call like a stake. You need a good stake. And then you start working on the slides and then you design them so that they are impactful. That I would call as the sizzle. Sizzle without the stake, right? We can, <laughs> we can really make your slides pretty, but if the content isn't there, then you are doing disservice sure. to your audience. So stake and the sizzle in the form of good design. Obviously in the design front, there are lots of good practices, uh, but overall you want to keep your audience in mind, right? If you are in a financial banking, healthcare industry, you know, you want lighter colors, you want colors which exude trust, confidence. If you're in the food space, you can be fun, you can have a lot more colors. So there are lots of integrities in design, but the idea is to create a presentation that appeals to your audience. It's very clear, it's easy to understand, it engages them so that you are able to get your point across. Finally, I would be remiss if I would say, hey, just go ahead and present. <laughs> Any good presentation, I would say you should practice again and again. You should put in the hours. That makes you more confident. That improves your delivery. And that will give you, you know, great results in the end. So 
Steak sizzle and a strong delivery. <laughs> I love that. Steak sizzle and the plating, right? Plating of the steak. <laughs> I was thinking about an analogy and glad you came up with something better. <laughs> no, that's good. That's, that's great. Harry, how did you get from kind of the corporate world of Hershey and Bridgestone to starting your own company to get into the presentation side of things? What, what happened? What was that transition like? How did that all go through? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been very lucky. I've worked at some great companies. I've been around some great people and got the opportunity to learn from some really good people. Yeah, I'm an engineer by training. I worked at Bridgestone. I was an industrial engineer. It's a Japanese company. Learned a lot of cool things about processes and systems. So all those learnings are helpful. When I was at Hershey, I did some work in engineering, and then I was fortunate to work in strategy sales and marketing as well. So learned some really cool things, especially when I was in my corporate strategy role at Hershey, we used to create a lot of cool presentations for senior, senior leaders at Hershey, the current CEO of the Hershey company, my team, we used to create presentations for her as well. So that's where I really learned the art of presentations. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't really know if I could, you know, come back and do presentations later on. But 10 years into my corporate career, I've had a good run. I, I had some calling, should I say internal calling or some itching to start something on my own. And so I started out with my own business. I knew I wanted to do something which was at the intersection of content and design. Those are the things I learned. I was good at when I worked at Hershey. I started a creative agency. In the beginning, we started out in the social media marketing space. And then our clients asked for more services and we started offering more services. Only a couple of years later, did we realize like we really need to specialize. We can't be a jack of all. Mm-hmm. We can't be great at everything. We can't sell everything too well. It's rather better to double down on your strengths and focus on a particular area. So we chose presentation design and we chose to focus on large enterprises. Yeah, that's great. What a huge transition though, I'm sure. That must have been a crazy feeling going from kind of the corporate structure and and so many people above and below you and alongside you to being you and you making all the decisions. I'm sure that was quite the mindset shift. Yeah, like in a big company, right? There's a team for everything. So you're not really in the weeds, uh, <laughs> but when you're running your own business, you're HR, admin, finance, mm-hmm. marketing, sales, operations. So it's been interesting wearing so many hats. It was, a, it was quite a bit of a transition. I wouldn't be lying to, if I said it was smooth. It was quite a bit of a transition. But I would say the opportunity to learn has been tremendous, you know, mm-hmm. because you're learning so many different things and the opportunity to learn has been amazing. That's really fun. So as far as kind of being in that entrepreneur role, and like you said, wearing so many hats and, and having to handle all the different aspects of the company. What are some of the, the lessons you've learned? What are some of the insights that you have from going through that process? Yeah, I think I've made a lot of good mistakes and <laughs> definitely have learned from them. One of the things I alluded to was we started out providing social media marketing services to small to medium-sized businesses. And then our clients really liked the quality of work we delivered And they came to us, you know, asking for more. So they asked us to get into the website design or search marketing space. And like I said, one of my lessons learned was we were working with a lot of different kinds of clients and providing lots of different kinds of services. So one of my lessons learned is I think it's good to do those things when you start out. I don't recommend people to niche from day one. I think it's good to start out with multiple services, multiple clients, 
So you get a feel for the types of clients you enjoy working with, types of industries you enjoy working with, types of work that you feel like you're most capable of delivering. So that was a good thing. And the lesson learned is at some point you should specialize. At some point you need to, like you're in college, you have to declare your major. At some point you should say, hey, let's work with these clients or this industry and let's offer just this service. That seems so simple. The concept is so simple, but it took me a while to really understand it. My initial struggle was I didn't want to let revenue go off these other services. And it was like a slow, slow death for those (laughs) services. But it actually, people think that you're closing doors. However, when you specialize, you're actually opening up more doors because you're becoming really good at one thing. And that area itself, you can go deeper and deeper, become really good at it. Your marketing becomes much more clear. Your target audience is so much clear. Your team becomes really good at processes and systems because they are doing the same thing again and again. Mm. And they're not doing the same presentations every day, but they're becoming, right. becoming really good with the tools and everything. So I think I would say that was one big lesson learned, which is specialization has been really good for us. Even selling becomes easier because I'm not trying to tell everybody, hey, I'm good at social <laughs> and web and presentation, right? Right. I can't be good at everything. So that's been one good lesson. I would say on the hiring front, I've definitely learned from mistakes. In the beginning, my idea was to hire rock star designers or rock star people who are good at technical or design skills, only to realize that they were not always a cultural fit. So that is one area that I've learned the hard way is to hire for culture, We've realized we cannot coach people to be a team player. We cannot coach people Mm. to have good work ethic, but we can coach people to be a good designer, right? We have other folks in the team who can teach you how to be good at design. So what we have done off late is definitely hire for cultural fit versus just design skills. Hmm. Yeah. So it's almost as if you're hiring someone that has the unteachable skills already, right? And then you can teaching the skills that are needed afterwards. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? Some foundational skills would be needed, right? So, <laughs> well, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as long as, let, let's say you have some design education or mm-hmm. some design experience, and we have like assessments, so you have to go through the process, you know, do okay on the assessments. But that is not the criteria. Like sure. you don't have to be amazing at design. You have to be good at it or above average at it. But we will not, we will definitely be sure that you have the right character, the right values so that you and the team gets along well. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And you said that said that very well. I mean, that's countercultural, I think, in a lot of ways when you think about hiring, because, you know, if I was thinking about hiring someone, I'd think, well, I'm going to pick the best person related to bookkeeping that I can, but I'm not at all factoring in then how we're going to work together as a team, how they're going to work with other members of the team, how they're going to work with clients, all those pieces. So I love that. I think that's so key is prioritizing those, I guess, soft skills over some of the more specific skills. I wanted to go back to what you're saying about the niche too. And I think that was a really interesting way of saying that, how you said at the, at first, I don't think people should do a niche and then they should definitely add that in later. I think that's kind of a, a strong divide in the business world is whether you should niche or whether you shouldn't. Sure. And it seems almost like either or. So I thought it was interesting that you brought up, yeah, you can do both. Start off with no niche and then move into that eventually. Even like what we're talking about now, you know, if someone were to ask me, hey, Nate, I'm looking for someone to help with presentations. Because you're in such a specific niche, I'm instantly going to think of you and be like, oh, Harry does that. Whereas if someone says, hey, I need to work with a digital marketer, I'm also thinking about, oh man, I know 
tons of those people. I don't know which one to refer to. So I love kind of the specific piece of that as well. So anyways, just great insights. You're certainly right. If you are niche, you are easy to refer. If somebody said, hey, I need help with a bookkeeper who specializes in agencies, right? There are not many. So it's, you become easy to refer. Mm -hmm. And that's really important, especially if you think of word of mouth marketing, how easy are you to refer? If yeah. I do so many things, even my clients are confused. What do I really do? I think you're right. There's a divide in terms of should you niche or not? I think it's a topic which is tough to get your head wrapped around. It's, it's not easy, but I think once you do it, then you see the value mm -hmm. of niching. Before that, I think it's like so all of my friends are always telling me, oh, you should expand and you should do more. <laughs> And I have a hard time convincing them that no, 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 focus and doing less is actually great. So it's a, it's a difficult topic, I think, to digest. Mm -hmm. If somebody is thinking of niching but is struggling, then another way to do this is you don't really have to say no to your existing clients. Sure. Let's say you're, you're doing bookkeeping, you have clients who are, in, who are agency owners or construction business owners or restaurant owners. And one fine day you decide to niche doesn't mean you have to say no to everybody. You just start going forward, your marketing, your sales should be around that particular niche. You continue with your existing clients and then you're like, okay, let me see if agencies or restaurants work for me. You just make that mental decision and move forward. Maybe you create a landing page that's catered to agency, to restaurants, and then you're attracting those prospects. And when you talk to them, you say, hey, I work with agency owners or restaurants. It's easy for them to make a decision as well. And you can continue kind of trying some other uh, services or clients, yet declare a niche, yet move forward, and you'll start to see value. So you don't have to overnight niche. It can be a gradual transition as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and I think one of the things that is so difficult with the niche process, I think it's, there's such a fear factor around it, right? Like you said, you're so worried, I'm going to lose sales. I'm going to be turning away people. And I think that's one of the big problems or obstructions with kind of getting into that is, is it's as a business owner, we just feel so worried that we're going to be losing revenue. But like you said, it's really going to grow revenue in a lot of ways. And it's going to be actually repelling clients too, which is, can be a good thing because you're not working with the people who aren't necessarily the good fit. And that doesn't mean can't find another fit for that person and find a different referral for that person, but it's going to find the best fits for you and the best fits for that client. So it's a really, really great way of saying that. I wanted to ask you one more question here about kind of being an entrepreneur. For someone who's just kind of starting out in the entrepreneurship journey, starting off their, their company, you already gave us a lot of great insights, but, but what's something you would tell them if they're just getting into that and just starting off, starting their own business or transferring from kind of the corporate world into the entrepreneur world? I would say like if you're itching, if you have a steady job or something, and if you're, if you're exploring some business opportunities, I would definitely try to do things on the side in the beginning, right? Try to sort of prove out, like, let's say you have a steady job in a large company and let's say you want to design websites or let's say, could, yeah, you could also want to offer bookkeeping services, right? For example, I would say do it on the side and get a feel for how it is like interacting with clients, how it is like working on short notices, how it is like owning everything process. It's a big change uh, from corporate days or from being an employee to becoming an owner. That is a pretty big shift, no doubt about it. Like I said, in the beginning, be open to working with, you know, if you don't have a really good idea, that's okay. Be open to working with different kinds of clients. If you are not sure about 
specific services. Be open about providing a basket of services, but the intention should be to learn from each client or from each offering and then figure out your way so that you, at some point you're declaring your major, at some point you're niching. Mm. It would be cool to be able to kind of blend your passion with work. So if you love website design and let's say you're big into fitness, might be a good idea to marry the two, right? Like focus on the fitness vertical and create websites because the more you're knowledgeable about your client's business, the better you are at delivering your product, your services. One of the things that has helped me uh, transitioning from a corporate employee is I used to work at the Hershey company. I had a pretty decent role, I had a pretty decent salary. So when I ventured out, I always kind of had that salary number as my benchmark (laughs) so that I would remain true to myself. I know a lot of agency owners, I have lots of friends in the agency business who do not take profit first. Mm -hmm. And so when I ventured from corporate life to business, I was like, I have to at least make this salary. Otherwise I'm doing a disservice to my family, right? By not making that much money. So that has really helped me stay disciplined. I've always put revenue first. I would not hire somebody unless I was sure that I have revenue. So I've Mm -hmm. always put revenue profitability first and then create new expenses versus investing, especially a services business, right? There's no inventory, right? So what would happen is I would end up working a little bit more, but it's good to have more predictability of revenue first before you hire resources, before Mm -hmm. you create expenses. And that has really helped me. Even today, I benchmark myself with, hey, I've been doing this for four years. If I was at in my corporate role, what would be my salary? Am I making that much money? Only then I think it's worth, right, to be in the business because business comes with its own challenges as well, right? Yeah. There's a lot of passion, but a lot of stress as well. Mm. So to make it worth, you just have to be honest to yourself and kind of create those things related to mindset and like those mental goals so that you're being true to yourself, right? Otherwise, there are lots of great companies, lots of great job opportunities as well. And those would be less stressful in some ways. I've heard it said that if you're not paying yourself, your company isn't a, isn't a job or isn't a company for you. It's a hobby. You're just, <laughs> you're just working on a hobby full time. If you're not getting paid or if you're not paying yourself what you deserve for the time and the hours that you're putting in. So that's such a great viewpoint. So few entrepreneurs do pay themselves enough. So I love that you brought that up. And obviously, like you said, you can't start from day one and say, I'm going to go back to my previous salary and pay myself that. Obviously, that's going to be a work in progress. But I love the idea of having that always as a benchmark in front of you as a goal long term. Hey, we need to get back to this point because I'm putting in this time, this stress to get there. So that's really quality. I want to ask you one last question, Harry, and I didn't put this on our questions beforehand, but what's your favorite presentation software? I mean, you're working on presentations, your team's working on presentations. Is there a certain software? Is it PowerPoint? Is it Google Slides? Is it Prezi? Is there, I'm sure there's ones that I don't know of. What's your favorite? Mine is PowerPoint. I grew up on PowerPoint. I'm a big Microsoft Office nerd. So <laughs> my favorite is PowerPoint. My team and we do use Google Slides for inter- for our own presentations. We do use Google Slides quite a bit just because it is so easy to share mm-hmm. and for people to simultaneously work on it. Sure. But PowerPoint also has those features. Keynote is great for animation as well. There are designers on my team who are good with Keynote. I'm not I'm not good at it. So PowerPoint <laughs> would be my answer. I'm, an, I'm a PowerPoint, I wouldn't say PowerPoint nerd, but I'm super comfortable and efficient with PowerPoint. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for answering. Well, Harry, this has been amazing. Thanks for sharing on presentations on entrepreneurship 
really great insights. What's the best way for our listeners to get in contact with you if they want to learn more about you or if they want to learn more about OutCreate? Sure. I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's how we connected as well. So LinkedIn is a good place to find me. You can just search Harry Shah on LinkedIn and the name of my company is OutCreate. So that's a, that's a good place. I'm happy to chat about presentations or like I said, I'm part of a community of agency owners. So I've learned a lot from other agency owners. So anybody wants to discuss agency business models, I'm still learning, but I'm happy to share my two cents and give any suggestions. Yeah. Great. I'll definitely put your information, your contact information in the description below the podcast too. So everyone can find that information easily. But Harry, thanks again for joining us today. It's been really a pleasure to, to have this conversation. Sure, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And listeners, thanks for joining us on the Navigating Business podcast. And we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.